The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. That was Proverbs 22, verse 7. And this is Theonomony, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theonomony. Since news broke out on Wednesday, August 24th, two days before this episode dropped, that the Biden administration has announced student loan relief. I am addressing that on this week's episode. This is big news that is economic in nature, and many people are talking about it. Just today, listening to my normal podcast I listen to, I probably heard three or four different podcasts address it. So an economics podcast should not be the only one not addressing such a big topic right now. And before we dive further in, I just got to say, I'm actually surprised. I thought that canceling student debt was the Democrat version of ending abortion, where it is the thing they always promise, but never do. That way, they can keep promising it to get more votes. But it looks like Democrats are better at fulfilling their promises than the Republicans are. In both Louisiana and Indiana this year, Republican lawmakers have had opportunities to end abortion at the state level, and both times they refuse to do so. Anyways, if you're not aware of this, President Biden announced what is in some cases student debt, student loan relief, and in others student loan forgiveness or cancellation. People with student debt making less than $125,000 for an individual or $250,000 for a couple, will receive $10,000 of student loan forgiveness. Depending on your amount of income, you might get even more than 10 k And for many people, this will cancel the rest of their student loans, uh, the rest of their debt. Also, there is a pause on federal student loan payments through the end of this year. So anyone who currently has student loans that will not be paid off by this loan relief plan have until January of 2023 before they are required to make their next payment toward their student loans. And I have in the description of this episode an article from whitehouse.gov talking about this if you want to do some uh, original source research into what it says, not getting it off some news website, but actually from whitehouse.gov. So to give a bit of an outline on the direction I plan to take this episode. First, we're going to talk about colleges and college loans or student loans. Then we'll look at when government gets involved in that process. And that will take us into addressing what is going on right now and some of its impacts. But before we dive further in, I want to ask you all to subscribe to Theana Money on your favorite podcast catcher if you've not already done so. Please tell your friends about the podcast, share it with them. That way more people can learn about it. Follow Theana Money on social media, share social media posts, retweet them, regab them, share them, do all those different things and 
help get the word out there that God's law has importance for our economics and all of our politics today. So college is something that was once reserved for the elite and those who are going into professions that necessitated or required college degrees. A college degree carried the idea of a guaranteed job with decent income. So naturally, as more parents were able to afford to pay for their children to go to college, more people had college degrees. But even that missed part of the purpose of college for many people in the past, which was to become an educated person, and that usually resulted in a better job, not just a piece of paper that opens up more job opportunities for you as an end-all be-all like college has turned into today. Now, Theana Money is an economics podcast, so I got to talk a little bit about the laws of supply and demand here. When there is a higher supply of college graduates, the number of positions available for college graduates fills more quickly than before. And the higher supply forces the demand lower because businesses are not fighting for the same person as often when there are more people to fill those roles. Supply went up, so price and demand went down. Once colleges started to be attended by larger bodies of students, then some colleges began offering a wider variety of degrees. Then others had to follow suit to compete for new students. Now, if we're talking about colleges expanding into different important industries where college degrees are genuinely helpful, that's good. But when they're adding degrees that don't have good job prospects and also just aren't very good for human flourishing and education, then that or degrees where you can do the work just as well and make just as much money with or without the degree, when we start looking at stuff like that, it's when we run into problems. Then, coming back to the issue with a higher supply of college graduates and the subsequent lower demand and lower income, we began seeing people having trouble finding jobs regardless of their degree. It's one thing to get a dumb degree that was a waste of money and not get a good job out of it. But it's another to get a good degree from a good school, but still struggle to find a job because the supply is so high that to employers, you're just another number among hundreds or even thousands that they have to choose from. Now, that isn't to say that college is a bad thing. There are many reasons to go to college. If you want to be a nurse or a medical doctor or a pharmacist, you need a degree. I love the book Gifted Hands about Ben Carson. I don't know how many of you have read the book, but I'm sure at least some of you have seen the movie. When Ben Carson became the first neurosurgeon to separate twins conjoined at the head and both of them survive, he was doing something he couldn't have done without his degree. Or to get out of the medical field, let's look at lawyers. I believe that technically you don't have to go to law school to become a lawyer. You just have to pass the bar exam. But the bar exam is so hard, it's considered virtually impossible for someone who didn't go to law school to pass it. If I'm way off base on this and uh, I have a lawyer listening, then please feel free to correct me. But... As far as I know, technically you just have to pass the bar exam, but that's considered basically impossible to do 
if you didn't go to law school because of all the very technical things on there that you're supposed to learn in law school if it's a good school. And either way, it still shows the point that for medical fields and law fields and many other fields, college degrees are still helpful and important. If half the politicians in our country were incidentally magically turned into Christians with a degree from a solid, reformed, classical Christian liberal arts college, our nation would probably be the best on the planet in about five minutes. Okay, that's an over-exaggeration. It might take 15 minutes, but you get the point. But just as there are good and important and necessary college degrees, there are also bad degrees that are not worth the money a person pays for them. This is where all the jokes come in about gender studies degrees and stuff like that. But it can also include degrees that from the right college or university are good, but from others are a waste of time and money. The difference has to do with the worldview and methods and approaches of the institution and the rigorous intellectual discipline, or lack thereof, expected from its students. A liberal arts degree from a solid classical Christian college can yield great results, while the same degree from a secular college absorbed with feminism and intersectionality and Freudianism and Darwinism, and one that also barely has you read any Shakespeare, let alone Chaucer or Dante, wouldn't be worth it. Even if they paid you to take their courses, their degree probably still wouldn't be worth it. And there are also degrees that in and of themselves aren't bad, but the amount of money that you can make with jobs that require that degree pay no better than many other jobs that don't have a degree requirement. Why spend four years and tens of thousands of dollars to get a degree for a position that only pays 30k a year? I could, by the way, I'm not saying this happened to me, I'm speaking hypothetically if I was a person. I could probably have spent those four years working at McDonald's and at the end of those four years make just as much money, if not more, by being promoted to manager with no debt and having made money those four years. And by the way, this is an area where customers can impact the market because of free market economics. If most of the people considering these degrees with low-paying occupations decided against them because it is not a financially good decision, then the employers looking to fill those positions will either start offering more money or take people without a degree who are able to show that they have skills in this area, degree or no degree. And that data I mentioned a moment ago brings us to the discussion of student loans. Not only are bad degrees a waste of time that could be spent making money and learning on-the-job skills, they also leave you with debt if you don't have scholarships or work your way through college, which these days is nearly impossible with the high cost of college. There are still colleges like uh, one I have a friend who graduated from uh, College of the Ozarks, in Missouri and or near Branson where you don't actually have any student debt because you have required hours you have to do on the college campus such as the restaurant at the college for um, like their outward facing restaurant for anyone that wants to go there or maybe working in the cafeteria for the students and things like that but places like that are probably becoming less and less frequent so now we have 
not only all of these degrees, some good, some less good, but we also have people with a lot of debt coming out of college. And so this is when the issue with student loans becomes apparent. Going 100K into debt for a degree that pays 100K a year right out of college, let alone raises and uh, promotions and things like that later on, that can make sense. But when degrees are promised high incomes right out of college, when in reality those jobs either don't exist or are very limited in number and only a few among the best get them, then these high student loans go from merely college loans to predatory loans, where a loan that is not financially sound is made merely because it makes the creditor money. This happens when the creditor is willing to make an income to the detriment of his consumer. When people claim that capitalism is about the haves ripping off the have-nots, this is an example of when that actually happens. But that claim they make is not the case in a Christian free market where both parties are better off for having done the economic exchange and both seek to honor God in that exchange as they do in everything they do. Now, when government student loans got into the picture, it messed with things, even more than things had already been messed with. Banks are much more concerned about making sure loaning thousands of dollars to people in their late teens and early 20s will be financially viable. Banks are much more concerned with that than the government is. And hence, hence banks and credit unions are much less likely to be as involved in student loans than the government is. So government student loans increased how many people can qualify for student loans and therefore be able to go to college. But when colleges got more students, students who had loans so they could pay the price of their tuition, those colleges were able to raise their tuition at a rate they could not viably do beforehand. Things such as accreditation boards that are very expensive to maintain also added to the higher cost for colleges to stay in business and thus a higher increase in tuition. That extra money from higher tuition, combined with several other factors such as wanting to draw students to your college based on your amenities more than because of your academic excellence, led to some colleges being more like resorts with an academic focus, rather than institutions whose sole purpose of existence is more learning and higher learning and making people work out the muscle of their brains to truly be educated. So a combination of things, but much of it being due to the government's making student loans much easier to obtain, influenced college tuition to have the drastic increases we have seen over the last 50 or 60 years. But as theonomists who hold to these spheres of sovereignty that there are three forms of government, the family, the church, and the state. And more basic than any of these is the fourth sphere of self-government. We have to look at this in light of God's word and what it teaches us about theonomy and government. There are, of course, no explicit verses in scripture for government giving out student loans. And I have yet to see any argument made from good and necessary consequence of scripture on the subject to argue that the government should give out student loans because I don't think there are any valid ones. If I want a loan to go to college, 
and I need to find a wealthy person or a bank or credit union or someone else and make the proper arrangements with them. I don't, I shouldn't go to the government for it because the government shouldn't be offering something like that. Maybe I do find such a wealthy person and he owns a business and he's willing to pay for my tuition, but I have to sign a contract with him that I will work for him for so many years after graduation in return for his payments to pay for my tuition. Many businesses do things like this today, so it would be nothing new if this became more common practice. Or if I do take a monetary loan out, then it should be from a person or a group, such as a bank or credit union, not the government, and the loan has to be repaid within six years because on the 7th, debts are forgiven. And by the way, this relates to a topic I plan to cover soon that I am calling the Old Testament credit score system. A name my friend Clay came up with when I was talking to him about this concept, and I've used that term he made up there ever since. And, you know, there are also other options besides these, such as uh, the College of the Ozarks I mentioned a little bit ago, where they technically don't have student debt. You just have to work so many hours while you're a student and therefore you graduate college with zero debt. Things like this should be the models that we seek to go for with higher education, not the government paying for it or you taking government loans for it that the government then eventually does forgiveness of, which we're about to get into because that's the point of this episode. So in short, the civil government should not be the one involved in loans, especially not loans that are sometimes more harmful than helpful to those who receive them. And so with all that in mind, we come to the main topic of student loan forgiveness and how we respond to the seemingly insurmountable debt that many Americans have gotten themselves into with their student loans. Some people say that one valid approach for some is to sue for lying about the value of the loan and subsequent degree. I honestly haven't given too much thought to this concept. I can see the argument, but also you have to make a really strong case to win in court for this argument to stand up in court. So maybe if I think more about it and some people actually do this and win their court case, then I'll consider it more valid at this point. I just don't want to say much because I haven't really thought about this, but I can see where they're coming from. I can see the argument they're making. I just don't know how much it'll hold up to scrutiny. I guess we just have to wait until someone actually tries it to see how it would hold up in an American court. And now whatever your opinion on that, there is the real issue that many people have foolishly gotten themselves into a lot of debt, getting degrees that were not economically sound decisions. Now, they made their own decisions, even if they received unwise counsel that pushed them toward that decision and there are consequences for unwise decisions even after believing the gospel and having our sins forgiven. The Biden administration's response to the above issue is not to discourage people from getting degrees until they do research to make sure they are economically viable. It is not to slash government spending and government taxes slashing far above and beyond what Republicans would ever dream of, might I add. So I'm not with either political party there. 
or otherwise reduce legislation to the economy in order to strengthen the economy to make it easier for people to get jobs and pay off their debts. No, instead we are going to increase our already insurmountable debt by hundreds of billions more in order to pay for people's bad decisions for them. Now to stop for a moment and try to be positive, it could be worse. The government could force private institutions that own some student loans to forgive them. While I've already covered issues with government loans in this episode and the seemingly endless amount of money printing these days, at least the government is printing more of what is at this point nearly monopoly money and going more into debt to do this rather than financially harming private banking institutions by forcing them to forgive any of these loans they own without paying them for it, which would more or less be like the government putting a gun to your head and telling you to hand someone some cash, or else. But there are still major issues with the way this is being done, even if we could imagine even worse alternatives. Incentivizing bad behavior is not good especially when the government does it by overstepping its roles and responsibilities as a minister of God to bear the sword. This is incentivizing the concept of taking a lot of debt and hoping or even expecting someone to just forgive your debt for you, to pay it off for you. Similarly to how this incentivizes bad behavior, it also disincentivizes good behavior Those who immediately went to the workforce or went to trade school instead of college because that person did not see college as worth the investment of time and money and also debt for whatever money can't be paid at the time. Those people are now stuck with the bill via their taxes and the harmed economy from a greater amount of national debt, all without the benefit of getting the education that their tax dollars are now paying for others to have. And they aren't the only ones ripped off by this. Those who have paid off their student debt fair and square, especially those who made economic sacrifices and budget cuts to pay it off as soon as possible, had to pay off their debt on their own instead of letting the government write them a big check to pay off part of it for them. Thus, the good behavior of paying off your debt because you see debt as financial commitments that you voluntarily chose is now disincentivized. That incentivizing of bad behavior and disincentivizing of good behavior has impact on the economy in the long run. Since political pressure led the Biden administration to do this once, what will keep a future administration from doing it again, possibly with larger payouts? Because of that, why should I, if I'm a college student, Make a big deal of paying off my loans as much as possible. The government will probably do a payout again in the future, and if I pay it all before that time, then I'm out the money I spent paying off my loans that the government would have given me had I been less diligent. And that is the crux there. Diligence is not rewarded. Lack of diligence and lack of discipline is rewarded. This plan also impacts the economy because of the inflation that results from more dollars chasing the same amount of goods in the economy. So if the government wants to do something really dumb and against God's rules for civil magistrates to help people with 
seemingly insurmountable student loans? Then give everyone making under 125 k a year a check for $10,000. But if you have college debt, you won't see a dime of that money in your account because it all goes to pay down your loan. At least that doesn't disincentivize those who didn't go to college or who diligently paid off their college debt as quick as they could. And by the way, I'm not saying we should actually do that, nor am I saying it would be a good idea. If anything, it is more a reductio ad absurdum than anything else. And I would rather the civil government not do either of these things and instead obey God in the realm of politics. Now, I want to make this episode practical for at least some of you before we close, because I don't like episodes that don't have practical importance. They feel too ivory tower to me, and I have a growing revulsion of anything that reeks of ivory towers. If you are eligible for this money and not sure whether you should take it or not, I'm not going to tell you for sure one way or the other. Use biblical wisdom on this. Talk to your spouse if you're married. Talk to your parents. Talk to one of the pastors at your church and other godly men and women you know. Read Romans 14, especially that last verse in the chapter, and think about its implications for your situation. If you can't take the money with a good conscience because what the government is doing is sinful and overstepping God's boundaries, then don't take it. Or if you can, in good conscience, take the money because you see it as a thief paying you back some of the money he stole from you, then take it. If you fall in the former category, but they automatically pay the money against your debt without your request, then take it and don't try to pay them back. Above all, if you think one option is sinful and the other isn't, and you are still convinced of that after talking with your spouse and one of your pastors or multiple of your pastors, and maybe even other godly people in your lives, then go with the option that you think isn't sinful. And that is good advice for a multitude of things, not just this one situation. So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me, your law is sweet, oh you say.